Hello, yummy mummies. Welcome to Beyond the Bump, a podcast brought to you by Jade Caldwell and Sophie Pierce. This podcast is targeted at mums, mums to be, and women in general. And gents, feel free to have a listen too. It's a place to have real discussions and ask real questions, no matter how hard, with honest and authentic people. The aim is to have you feeling lighter, more supported, and more understood after every listen. Now, we can't promise that it will always be kept PG, so please be mindful around little ears. Here we go. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Bump, Sophie. You sound really stoked to be here. I am. I am very stoked to be here. It is Friday afternoon. I am hanging out for that wine that's sitting on my kitchen bench. The kids are in the bath. Don't worry, they're being supervised, but I'm here and I'm ready to talk highs and lows. Yep. And this is our last episode of the year. Hang on, let me get my tissue box. (laughs) Okay. I'm back. We will miss you all, but we feel like we're going to be a well-deserved break and we will be back ready and raring with more fun conversations in 2021. We have so much planned. We actually do now. Last time you made that joke, we had zero planned, but we actually do have things planned. (laughs) Now, Jade, tell me, high of your week. Mm, High of my week. Wow, sounds like a ripper. Um, yeah, it's been an absolute ripper. High of my week is actually happening tomorrow. We've had a busy week, so I'm having a ladies' Christmas party with a few close friends, going out for dinner, having some cocktails just for something different, but really excited to to have that special time with them. What about you? High of my week is that Nick and I had a date afternoon the other afternoon finally and we went to like a bathhouse and got a massage and went out for dinner and it was just so nice to have uninterrupted conversation and, yeah, just like chill with him and remind myself that like, yeah, I really love you, like let's stay together. (laughs) I'm so glad it was that and not, wow, you're really boring. We're over. Yeah. And then also another high, I'm just going to throw two in there because, you know, we're feeling festive, was we, well, we had our management Christmas party yesterday and I finally got to meet the beautiful ladies that manage this podcast and organize all our sponsorships. But unfortunately, Jade couldn't come because she's not in Melbourne. But yeah, that was lovely to meet all the girls there. Oh, that's very nice for you, Sophie. My low would probably be that I wasn't there and couldn't have as much fun as you sound like you had. And that would be back to you with your low. My low is that this week Poppy had an ear infection and the symptoms were like quite vague and she was just like off and it was really, really lingering. And anyway, she then she started like spiking a temperature and was just really like at, at the night before we went to the doctor, she started crying, saying that her ear was sore. So it kind of presented itself and we went to the GP and they had a look and yeah, she had an ear infection, but she's definitely on the mend, but it was just not very nice watching her just plodding along, not very happy, extremely clingy, especially when we're down in Melbourne finally seeing family and the only person she wanted was me. So at times I felt kind of bad. I was like, can you hang out with these people that have really missed you? But yeah, she's on the mend now. So all is looking up. Glad she's on the men. Yeah. Now this week we are super excited for this episode. We are talking all things cesarean. Ella Barber is a girl that I actually went to school with, a woman that I went to school with, and 
and she has had two cesareans. And after we did the formula episode, she contacted me and said, hey, like being someone who's had two cesareans, I feel like cesarean births aren't really spoken about. You know, it's often very much like natural is the only beautiful way to birth. And I said, okay, then do you want to come on? And she said, sure. And here we are. And we're about to just hand over the reins to Ella and we hope you enjoy. And us. We'll stick around. Oh yeah. We're we're in and out. Bits and bobs. Enjoy. Hello, Ella. Welcome to the podcast today. Now, are you able to tell us a little bit about yourself and about your family? Yes. Thank you so much for having me. My name is Ella. I'm recently turned 30. I'm a wife. I have two beautiful children, Bobby, who is two and a half, and Summer, who is just 10 months. At the moment, I'm doing the full-blown mum thing with a few little creative escapades on the side. I have a background in corporate communications and PR. So that's kind of where my heart lies. But at the moment, I'm home with my kids and love it um, and hate it some days. (laughs) (laughs) Let's be honest. (sighs) But look, I'm just about to start building a house. So that's keeping me really busy at the moment. And life is busy. It's always busy with two kids. So I definitely can't complain. And you live in Melbourne. So you felt the real brunt of this year. What was that like? I do live in Melbourne. I live in the southeastern suburbs. So about 35 minutes from the city. It has been a really weird year. And it's weird because I had a baby in January. So I almost feel like with, you know, she's nearly turning one. And so if you probably feel the same because you haven't seen your family, but, you know, I really feel like we've kind of lost the whole year with her. Mm. And it's weird because whilst we've had so much time at home and, you know, we were in lockdown for three or four months or whatever it was, I almost feel like we've lost a lot of time with her. We have not done the things that we did with Bobby when, you know, in that first year of life with him and the little trips that we took and And making the most of them being immobile. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it's a very bizarre, very bizarre. Look, it was hard. We were very lucky um, in the sense that we weren't, you know, financially impacted and we were actually living with my parents at the time. So in a lot of aspects, we were really lucky, but on the same token, I got to a point, you know, months in that I was like, I don't care, you know, Mm. this is shit. So look, we, we took it in our stride and I think there were times where we enjoyed it and we enjoyed the downtime, but there were also times where we found it really hard. So we're definitely happy to be on the other side, hopefully, fingers crossed. (laughs) Absolutely. Hello, Ella. Hello. I've just been listening in the background, but I am here, everybody. Would you be able to tell us a little bit about your thoughts on C-sections while pregnant? Yes, and it's really interesting because, to be honest, I was incredibly impartial to the idea of C-sections. Going back to, you know, when I was younger and my early 20s and, you know, when I was partying and, you know, I'd have all these conversations with my girlfriends about motherhood and birth. Birth really scared me, I'll be honest. It scared the shit out of me, the idea of it when I was younger. But I don't think it's until you're pregnant and you're in that mindset that I definitely said to myself, no, I, I want to try and have a natural birth. That's the way that I'm I'm going to go. But I was really impartial to it. I didn't have particular expectations upon myself when I got pregnant. My idea of cesarean was not negative. 
I don't think we've mentioned it, but my obstetrician was Dr. Timmy, so his dad. (laughs) That's great. Yeah. You're still allowed to be honest. You don't have to just be like, it was the best thing ever. No, I love Dr. Timmy. (laughs) So he was, and as anyone who listens to his episodes would know, he is an incredibly calming, chill, relaxed kind of guy. And I, I felt like I had that presence over my pregnancy. So I didn't feel, you know, any kind of angst about oh my gosh, imagine if I have a cesarean or that would be awful. It was it was very much like I'm going to plan to have a natural birth. I'm not going to set big expectations upon the experience. And if it happened to end in a cesarean, then that was fine by me, to be honest. I also felt like I had I had chosen, you know, to see Tim and I'd, you know, chosen to go to the hospital that we had were going to. So I felt like I had a great respect for, you know, the medical system that I had chosen to be involved in. So I was kind of like, if whatever happens, happens. I, I was really open to it. I, I didn't, I didn't put those expectations on myself. That's for sure. Mm. And what happened during your birth that, you know, in the end led to having a cesarean? So I ended up getting induced with Bobby. I had severe edema, which if anyone knows what that is, it is like severe, severe swelling to the point where at the end when I was 38 weeks, I could barely walk. It was like needles kind of pricking my skin in my feet because they were so fat and swollen. So that it was really painful and it got to the point where I was about 38 weeks that I said to Tim, like, I don't feel like I can do this much longer. I'm not sleeping. I'm, you know, I I had really bad insomnia during the whole pregnancy, but I was barely sleeping towards the end. And so, yeah, we were, I ended up getting induced nearly 39 weeks and, you know, went in in the afternoon and they put in the gel and my labour actually started at around 9pm that night. And it wasn't until I laboured for about 16 hours and it wasn't until 12 o'clock the next day around lunchtime that I ended up, you know, having a cesarean. And there were a few different reasons and some of them include I never got past five centimetres dilated. So I think I got there, um, you know, throughout the night and, you know, five, six, seven hours later I was still at five centimetres dilated. And Bobby was also posterior facing, which if anyone's had a baby facing that way, it is almost as painful as the contractions themselves, the back pain. It is fucked. So yeah, look, he was posterior facing. It got to the point, you know, in the morning when I'd been laboring for so long, when the midwife kind of came in and was like, look, nothing's progressing. We're really not thinking that the baby's going to come out this way. Then, you know, when they did kind of the last vital signs of Bob and me, Bobby's heart rate was jumping up and down. I I think it got to the point where it was like, look, this is the best decision for you at the moment. And yeah, look, the decision was made and it was just so, so quick. Within five minutes, I was in the operating theatre getting him taken out. So there really wasn't much time to think about the decision that I mean, look, the decision had pretty much been made for me. That was the advice and my husband and I were super on board with that advice. We were were like, yep, let's do it, let's go, and it happened incredibly quickly. So it was 
it was wild and it was a bit, you know, scary at the time, but we were totally on board with it. When you had time to, you know, later on in hindsight kind of reflect on it, how did you feel about that being how Bobby was born? It's funny because I didn't really, (laughs) I didn't think too much of it, to be honest. I was super... I think because I had gone into our birth with a really open mind with knowing that there would be a possibility that it would end in cesarean, but that I was going to try to have a natural birth. When he was born via cesarean, it really did not, I wasn't disappointed. I I wasn't upset. There was an area where I felt there's a little bit of a disconnect when you have an emergency Caesar in that you're taken off to recovery for a period of time. I really didn't like that experience yeah. because you're separated from the baby. It was an incredibly busy day at the hospital that day. So I think I was in recovery for two hours, which is not the norm. So I I was separated from him and my husband for two hours. So that, that was a really icky experience I would say you know you've just given birth you've just met your baby for the first time you're a first time mum and you're just kind of sitting there waiting waiting to be taken down to see your baby and your husband and you know start trying to breastfeed and all this stuff is you know still impending but in terms of how I felt about my birth I was really just accepting of the fact that that's how it went those were the decisions that were suggested to us by our doctor and the midwives and we were yeah we were super on board with it and we kind of went with it and it really wasn't until post-birth or even Bobby was a few months old and then most recently when I got pregnant again that I started to pick up on the conversations and dialogues that actually do exist around cesareans Mm. it's kind of like that that thing about any type of issue within motherhood you really you do listen, but you don't really hear it until you're going through it or you've experienced it yourself. And there is there really is a stigma on C-sections because when I had my first child, I got into a similar, similar situation where I was geared up to go for a C-section because Mia was in a posterior position. And I begged them to do anything but give me a C-section. I said, give me a episiotomy or give me the forceps, anything, just don't give me a C-section. And listening to the stories and going through all my births, I honestly, I think that it probably would have been better off for my vagina to actually have a (laughs) C-section because, you know, I also was taken away for an hour and I was shaking on my own and I didn't get to see my child till they sorted me up downstairs as well. And yeah, it's a very like irky situation, but then the aftermath of, you know, your swollen vagina and having a catheter up there and, you know, there's so many other elements that I guess now that I've had three children, I do look at a cesarean and think, I do definitely do not think that it'd be easier, but I think in a lot of situations it would be a lot more accommodating and I think that having understood a lot more, like especially with this podcast, I would have had a total different perspective on giving birth. Yeah, I think it's it's so interesting because, as I said, it wasn't ever something I gave much thought to and I, I heard story after story after birth story you know, went before you've had a child and you listen and you're, oh my God, wow. But you really don't hear the stories until you're in that that 
you know, that mind frame of, oh, I'm planning to give birth or I've just given birth or I'm about to give birth. And it's really then that you kind of really hear those conversations. And it wasn't until I was mostly pregnant with Summer, my second, who's 10 months now, you know, I was getting in the headspace. I had obviously, I had chosen to have an elective cesarean with her. Um, And the dialogue that I kind of started picking up on, you know, through the podcasts that I was listening to and the posts I was looking at on social media, I was like, oh God, like I've (laughs) never really heard this before or this sounds quite negative or, you know, there's quite a big influencer on Instagram that I follow and look, I love her content and I love the photos that she posts and she's very real and raw. But there's there were, you know, a few things that I I think, you know, through watching some of her content that I, you know, I think she posted something about, you know, this is the birth story that I want to have with my child. And, you know, she'd laid out exactly what she wanted to happen. It was, you know, natural, no drugs, bloody, no blah, blah. Yeah, no pain, you know, da, 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 da. And she, you know, had, I think she tagged, you know, her birth, but her doctor or her midwife or whatever it was. And she said, you know, if you, if, and she'd also said, I really don't want to have a cesarean. That's not what I want. And then at the end of it, it was, if you too want to have a positive birth experience, you know, contact whichever doctor it was that was tagged. And I kind of read the post and was like, oh, it's almost somewhat, you know, alluding to the fact that if you don't end up with that experience, that it's negative. Yeah. Which was so at odds with what I had experienced because I I really never felt negative towards my birth experience. But yeah, it really wasn't until I got pregnant for the second time that I started hearing, probably hearing more of the dialogue. I probably became less naive to the conversation that existed and really kind of picked up on the fact that, you know, the glorification that exists around birth and motherhood and, you know, those battle scars that you get when you go through labour really do not exist for women that have cesareans. And Mm. it kind of irked me a little bit. I was kind of like, oh, my gosh, like these women that have either, you know, chosen to have an elective cesarean or they have ended up having one out of, you know, medical intervention have gone through such a big ordeal, you know, both physically and mentally, it's kind of shit. It's that, almost like you know, a they, cop out when people think, oh, you yeah. didn't have a natural birth. Oh, you had a cesarean when, in fact, it's definitely not like that at all. But it does. And it this, isn't having a, this isn't having a go at you, Elle, because you've said natural a few times. But we had a few people write in saying that whenever they hear people talk about, like, did you have a natural birth or a cesarean, that they find that offensive because they're like, you know, you're alluding to the fact that a cesarean is unnatural. But, you know, I've had people who said to me, like, did you have natural births? And I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? Like I was induced both times. So no, technically I didn't have natural births, but did they come out of my vagina? Yes. So it's kind of like, what does that even, even mean? And it's, yeah, it's the whirlwind of the filtered lives that you know, we all lead at the moment and I'm all for Instagram. I, you know, I love Instagram, but (laughs) I know I'm, you know, guilty of posting, you know, filtered photos and only the highlight reel for sure. But I think we live in a very different day and age than our parents did. I think back in the day, if our parents ended up having a cesarean, 
it would have been like, oh my God, great, baby's here safe. There would have been no other, no other thought process around mm. how they gave birth. That was just what happened. And they were lucky that that's the way it went. However, today, because, you know, we all, we put out our stories and our, our beliefs and everyone, you know, has their contribution, which in some ways is the best thing that's ever happened, but it's also in some ways the worst because we're often only seeing, you know, the most beautiful parts of birth or, you know, we're seeing, you know, people's birth photography and, you know, their stories. And if your birth story or your photos don't kind of hit that standard, I suppose, you really don't see it or hear about it much. Now, there's really not many people that I can think of that have had cesareans or, you know, positive experiences in that realm that talk about them that much in the as opposed to births. And that's the beauty of a podcast and and all these forums that we are able to open up about these conversations and speak more openly and positively about, you know, a lot of these topics that people usually sweep under the rug. And I think, you know, in a positive light, without having these platforms, people probably would go on to just go, oh, yeah, what you were saying, Sophie, natural versus cesarean, whereas now if we can actually highlight what you're saying and we can all understand that, you know, there is so much more to every single way you give birth and when that we're all equal on an equal path, then it's going to be a hopefully a better and positive future for our kids and our kids' kids' kids. And I think there's also this, I've heard so many times of women who have given birth and whether it has been vaginal, you know, with complications or having a cesarean that they've come away from their birth and felt quite positively about it, even though, you know, when they were in it, it was an intense situation. And it's actually not until afterwards when they talk to people about it, that people almost convince them, oh no, that doesn't actually sound like you had a positive birth experience. That sounds really negative. And I think that happens so often with cesareans that so many people wrote in saying that they had absolutely incredible cesarean experiences, but society almost makes it like, oh, wow, you ended up with a cesarean, you poor thing. I'm so sorry for you. And that's the thing. I feel like it falls into two categories of like cesareans. It's like category one is if you have an emergency cesarean and that's your story, almost what you're met with is, oh, no, like, you know, poor you, like, oh, that's how it ended. Oh, my God, you poor thing. And it's almost a bit of sorrow and empathy about the fact that that was your experience And then on the flip side, which is also very different but somewhat negative as well, it's if, you know, you go down the path of an elective caesarean, whether it be first time or otherwise, it's almost as though it's perceived to be you're taking the easy way out Mm. or you're outsourcing your own birth or women are made to do this, why would you choose that option? So it's... Both of those decisions are at odds with each other, but they're so negative in a lot of ways. And yeah, you can't really win either way. Like no, you're no, still you you're still it's giving like, birth. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and you're still going that's... through all the, you know, the 
oh, the milk coming in and the bleeding, everyone is still going through the exact same situations no matter how that baby comes oh, and out. So, and, like, you know, so many people wrote in saying, can you just put it out there that there's so much more to choosing an elective cesarean than just being, you know, quote, unquote, too posh to push. Like there's, <laughs> you know, like there were so many people who wrote in saying that they really wanted to choose an elective cesarean but they're so worried about the judgment they're going to get from their family because they feel that their family will assume that it's purely because they're too posh to push. No, but this is the same as epidurals. People are like, oh, you had an epidural, like you weren't strong enough. It's like, what the fuck? I'm strong enough. No. I literally pushed it (laughs) out. And I also recommend people. So I took it. But people also, like a lot of women that have cesareans, they've actually gone through, and I take my hat off to them, They've gone through a whole procedure of a natural, or in quotation, natural birth. They've actually pushed as well. And unfortunately, they haven't been able to get the whole head or the whole body out. So therefore, they've had to now go in and get, you know, put under whatever they have, Sophie, needles. Well, most of the time, it's just (laughs) the spinal, but sometimes if things go really... So they get that. And then they have a cesarean. So an elective Caesar is, to me, an incredibly smart option. You know, you're you're in there, your body's not going left, right, up, down, all around. It's actually going, I'm coming in for a C-section. I know what to do. I'm planned. It sounds freaking fabulous. (laughs) Absolutely. I think, look, I think as a first-time mum, I probably would have looked at that option is something that I wouldn't have taken and I, I probably wouldn't have understood why women would take that option, to be honest. But it's not until I'm in the throes of motherhood and I'm nearly three years in that I think you really surrender to it and you go, holy shit, do whatever the fuck you need to do to be happy, to get by, for your family to work, for your partner to be happy, for your other children to be content it's just like throw away the judgment and if that is the best decision for yourself and your family and your baby, then, you know, you are still a mother. You are still giving birth and none of that shit matters because, you know, the baby gets there in the end. That's really the only goal, isn't it? True that. Yeah, totally. And I think that as much as, you know, an elective caesarean is fabulous that, you know, you get to book it in and, you know, Jade, you were joking that that's all fantastic. Like I really don't think there's any easy way for a baby to come into this world, whether that is having a cesarean or having a vaginal birth. It's just like at what points are the hardest. So like, you know, cesarean, you've had like major surgery, vaginal, a head and body has come out of your vagina. Like I think Dr. Timmy said in one of the episodes, it's like, you're going to have pain afterwards either way. It's just, you know, half a metre or I don't know, I'm trying to measure (laughs) between my (laughs) tummy to my vagina. I don't think it's half a metre, but either way, you're going to have pain in one of them. Wow. Half a metre is That's a fair stretch, (laughs) Soph. Half a metre. But, I mean, it's the fact that. I have a really long vagina. (laughs) Both birth experiences come with such different recovery issues, right? So whether it be cesarean or a vaginal birth, you're either going to go either way. It's either going to be a really wonderful positive experience or there might be some trauma involved either. Totally. Or it doesn't matter. It's a cesarean or a vaginal birth. Those two things can happen. 
But as a result, a, ba- a baby and a mother is born out of both experiences. Mm. So there's there's just this disconnect, I think, with understanding that we both, we all come out of it the same. We're all, we've birthed a baby. We, we've become mothers for the first time or the second time or the fourth time. And that's amazing. We should be celebrating that. And did you ever find because, you know, with Bobby, you said because you had an emergency cesarean the first two hours you were in recovery, when you finally got to be with Bobby and spend that time, was there any disconnect there or was it as, the, you know, because some people do say, oh, I had a cesarean and they were just, you know, plopped on my chest and it took a while to have that bond. You know what? There was not any disconnect between the experience. I look back on it and I think it was a really crappy experience that you're, you know, separated from your baby and you're off in this recovery room and you don't get to see them for two hours. There was a a big disconnect in that experience, but my connection with Bobby was instant. And I, I know that not all women kind of feel that instant bond with their babies. And, you know, often it, some of you know the slow burn and it grows and it grows and it grows but with Bobby with my first it was absolutely instant and it was absolutely incredible and it was you know as the books and the movies kind of tell you it's going to be but with Summer interestingly my second baby which it was a much more controlled birth environment she was born via an elective cesarean and it was funny because you know when the spinal tap went in it's quite common that it will make you feel really nauseous and so as Tim as your dad was pulling out my baby he was saying Ella you know I'm about to get her out are you ready I was vomiting and I was kind of like no I'm hold not her in there ready. for a second yeah. <laughs> so I was vomiting and they were you know trying to rush you know the drugs in that kind of reversed the nausea or nausea and I felt disgusting I felt so awful and I was like I'm so not ready for this experience right now and that it's probably you know really against the odds because I didn't have that experience in my emergency cesarean it was actually quite beautiful and he was taken out and I had did not feel sick at all but yeah summer was born and I was vomiting and it was I felt absolutely foul and looked I don't know whether it's you know a second born thing or it's you know, child-based, but I don't think I had that instant connection with Summer as what I did with Bobby. It definitely took its time to grow and I reckon, you know, over those weeks and first months of her being born, I look back now and I'm like, oh, my God, you know, I I love you both equally and, you know, sometimes I love her more because (laughs) she's the baby and she's beautiful and she's probably a lot easier than Bobby, but... Yeah, no, it wasn't, it definitely wasn't kind of instant with her, but I I wouldn't put it down to the fact that I had a cesarean with either of them. If it makes you feel any better, I vomited through both of my (laughs) labours as well. So I don't think it's necessarily, yeah, because I think it's hard because people have said to me like, oh, did you find your births harder because you were induced? And I'm like, well, I have nothing to compare it to. Like, yeah, birth was intense, but I reckon it was being intense without an induction. So I think, I mean, I'm not, I'm not saying that cesareans can't cause, you know, a delay in that bond, but I think it sometimes can be really easy when things do happen to go like, oh, that happened because I had a cesarean or that happened because I was induced or, you know, that happened because I had an epidural and it's like, well, maybe it would have happened 
anyway. To be fair, yeah, it's quite. So it's sometimes quite a good thing just to have a a breather, you know, a good solid hour before you become a mother twenty four seven. It's like, yeah, just let me get my breath back, and then you can <laughs> give it back. Haven't give taken back. another breath since. <laughs> totally, exactly. <laughs> After summer, were you two separated? No, ne- not at any point. So pretty much as they, you know, pull baby out, they they take them over to a little station, which is like right next to kind of your head. And my husband, Billy, was kind of over there with the paediatrician. They pretty much just look over them, make sure they're breathing and everything's cool. And then, you know, both of them were placed on my chest and I held them for probably five or ten minutes as kind of the reconstruction phase of the scar goes on down there and, you know, the stitches go in and all the gory stuff. And, yeah, you're pretty much holding, you know, baby the whole time. And then with Summer, with the elective cesarean, I was with her the whole time and we went into a recovery room, but she was with me. So that's kind of when we did, you know, the first breastfeed and, you know, got to have our first cut proper cuddles and, you know, Billy got to hold her. But it's very, you know, mother-focused and I was holding her. I wonder was, what the reasoning yeah. is with taking the bubs sometimes when you're in recovery. Is it because they need it or you needed to not be? Like I wonder what the – I have to ask Timmy. Sophie, you probably know better than I would because I really don't know. I think it's mainly because you've gone through labour and then ended up with, you know, a somewhat – I suppose, stressful, you know, operational experience that they just need to monitor that you're not going to, you know, go and cark it. I I think a lot of the time unless, yeah, your baby does need to go to nursery or you're particularly unwell, most of the time I'm pretty sure, don't hold me to this, but if you say I would really like to stay with my baby, a lot of the time I'm fairly sure they'll let you. And we had people writing in saying, oh, I expected after my cesarean that I wasn't going to be able to be with my baby. And I just asked if I could stay with my baby and my baby stayed. So I don't know if it's an old school thing that like it used to just be, if you had a cesarean, you went to recovery and your baby didn't. And maybe that's like slowly filtering out. I don't know, but I definitely know that yeah, I used to think it was all babies and mums got separated, but I I just don't think that's the case anymore. Yeah, and it's probably also a hospital policy thing. Mm. Each hospital would be different. And also, you know, back to requesting, being knowledgeable enough, and I was not as a first-time mum, to ask for what you want in, you know, a really tough situation. And to be honest, I was told, oh, you're going off to recovery now, Billy's going to take Bobby I was like, cool, yeah, okay. And I, I look back on it and I think I've, you know, spoken about it with your dad so even said, God, I really didn't like that experience. Like I but I didn't even think that I could kind of say, oh no, but what about this? Or, you know, can I be with him? Or it, and it's all in hindsight that, you know, I kind of go back and think if I had probably spoken up, I may not have felt that. And they probably would have been like, Yep, cool, go for it. So look, it all goes back to hindsight. I Imagine think. how how confident you're going to be with your fifth child. You'll just be storming in there, going, "You move, you I'm here. I'm doing this. this. I'll do it myself." <laughs> Don't. If Billy's tuning into this, he'll be swearing at the speaker. <laughs> <laughs> He's not even sure he wants to have a third. So, my gosh. <laughs> and did you ever consider having a V back when you were pregnant with Summer or trying for a V back? I really didn't know. And there's a few different reasons for that. I had a a friend of mine really 
kind of go hard at me on the conversation of VBACs and, oh, you, you just don't know what you're missing and you really need to try it. You know, the bond that I had with my second baby after a VBAC and I kind of walked away from that conversation thinking, oh, gosh, like I, you know, I felt like I had that same experience with Bobby even having had a cesarean. And, it, yeah, I had the discussion with Tim, my obstetrician, and it was very much just Bobby was only 20 months, 21 months when I had summer. So it was kind of under that two-year bracket, which they kind of say is, you know, the safe zone as to, you know, if you're past those two years, it's probably safe to try again. And so, look, the Tim kind of made the suggestion that, look, there's, you know, this percentage is the risk of, you know, really serious complications going on. And to me, the risk just did not outweigh the the benefit. So for me, the right experience, the right decision was just to, yeah, book it in and go for and I number guess, two. I guess if in you, you didn't feel like you missed out on anything the first time, then what's the point of the risk? Whereas I do know there's a lot of mums out there who, who really do feel like they want to give vaginal birth a go. So if that is something that is really important to you, well, then maybe the risk is worth it. But as you say, if the only time you considered it was when some other person was telling you that you should be considering it, well, it's like, yeah, that risk is definitely not worth it. Absolutely. And I think I had had a really positive birth experience with Bobby, even though it did not go the way I had planned, as I'm sure most women's births go. And so the the notion of the fact that there would be increased risk if I was to try and do it again and, you know, to the baby, myself, it could possibly end in a cesarean anyway. The decision was kind of made for me because the fact that there was, you know, that increased risk, I was like, no, nah, I... It, I felt really, really comfortable with that decision. But I can also understand that some women want to experience in, you know, inverted quotes, natural birth or, you know, a vaginal birth. And in a way, I do feel somewhat lucky that I, I got to experience labour. I went through labour. I know what it was like. It was You're like, and I don't bloody, want to do it again. <laughs> terrible. Yeah, I I was really happy with that decision, to be honest. So it was definitely the right one. The normies out there, a VBAC actually stands for vaginal birth after cesarean. Have you been Googling (laughs) while we've been talking? No, I actually have been a mother for seven years, so I have Googled in that time. (laughs) Can you tell us a bit about the recovery? How did you find the recovery each time and were they different? They were very different and I suppose the main reason is because you've the first time in an emergency cesarean you've gone through labor Mm. as well as having major abdominal surgery whereas the second time you've just gone straight in your body has not entered you know into labor you know nothing is going on down there so it's a very controlled and that's what I was saying before like I wasn't saying that you know it wasn't easier to have an elective Caesar but you know just the fact of having to you know punch two holes so to speak you can literally <laughs> just decide one path instead of have to damage two. Absolutely. <laughs> Couldn't agree more. So, look, it was very different in terms of the recovery. 
I think the recovery with an emergency cesarean is much longer and harder. I don't even remember walking kind of the first two days with after Bobby, my first. It's incredibly painful, look, I'll be honest, but it's very manageable and, you know, I'm sure there's women that have had vaginal births that are in just as much, if not more, pain mm. in other areas. Mm. So, you know, it's all relative, I think. But with Summer, I was, so I had her at 8 a.m. in the morning via elective caesarean and I was up walking by, I think, 5 p.m. that same day. And they kind of say the sooner you kind of get up mm. and moving and get your body you know, your blood pumping, the best it is for your recovery. And so I had an amazing recovery with her. I was pretty much pain, I would say I was pain-free after maybe seven days or seven to ten days pain-free. I don't even know. I was pain-free after seven days and (laughs) I feel like my flaps were still on the floor. I I gave birth to Yumi when on the same day that my friend gave birth birth to her fifth daughter and that was her fifth cesarean and no one said that she could possibly have five cesareans but she did and I we we shared a room because we were laughing so much that we both gave birth on the same day and I looked at her after a few hours of her giving birth. I was half dead and there was stuff going on, but I looked at her and I was like what the fuck she's literally had a cesarean she's walking around Like she was walking around and she's ordering food and I was just shaking my head going, what the fuck have I done? It was just incredible. She was just (laughs) up and at it. I started ordering her around. I said, can you go get me a a, It's one of probably the stigmas that do exist is the recovery and, oh, my God, how scary it is and it's awful and you, you won't walk or you won't drive or. Endo, All these maybe. That, yeah. <laughs> Look, yeah, you you know, you're on quite strong pain medication for the first, you know, probably five days. And then, it, you know, kind of t- tapers off and you're on the Panadol. And then really after, you know, as I said, seven to 10 days, I was taking nothing. And other than, you know, strenuous movement, you know, trying to move a toddler or whatever, there's really was very little pain after that point. Ella, have you had your appendix out? No, I haven't. Okay, I want to speak to someone that's had their appendix out because that's the only (laughs) way I can possibly think that I would know how a cesarean would feel. And, yeah, that wasn't pretty. The thing that that (laughs) I don't understand when, like, I'm not saying the recovery is easy, but it's also, it's not like you're recovering from a cesarean or you're covering from coughing out a baby. Do you know what I mean? Like it's like it's like both <laughs> ways there's recovery involved and I know that a recovery from a cesarean can be really difficult, but I feel like sometimes the fear around the co- recovery is as though it's getting compared to like something that has no recovery. Do you know what I mean? Like it's yeah. like yeah, both ways there's recoveries and both have their issues and sure cesarean might be longer, but yeah, it's not like you yeah, did a there, big there's poo. bits hurting either way. That's right. <laughs> it's a bit more. And it also, it? yeah, goes back to there are so many positives and negatives to both experiences. But if you are purely choosing a certain experience based on, you know, pain level or how quick you're going to heal or whatever, there are some people that I know that couldn't walk for months having had a natural birth. So it's, there's so many variables that mm. are involved. And I think the recovery side of cesareans that, you know, is so 
scary to some people really is 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 not in reality. And if that was a reason why someone wasn't going to choose that path but really wanted to, then, you know, I would say, you know, it's really not as bad as you think it's going to be. It's your own story and you said yourself like every single birth is different to the other one. And that's just one mother saying that. So everyone's going to have a completely different story, you know, no matter how many children they have. Yeah, absolutely. And each cesarean is different. Each, you know, each team you have in there when you're giving birth is different. You know, you have a different obstetrician or you have a different, you know, person doing, you know, your spinal tap or your midwives helping you breastfeed or it's different so husbands. different each time. <laughs> <laughs> so it it's I think there are those the some really scary things that exist out there around cesareans that probably sound worse than what they really are. And I, I definitely wouldn't, you know, shy away from it. Again, if I have another baby I'll I'll definitely be going down that road again, that's for sure. And any advice on the recovery while having a toddler? Because I know a lot of people find that really difficult. That was hard. I'll, yeah, I'll be really honest. That was probably one of the hardest parts of it. Bobby was only, yeah, 21 months when we had summer. So he really didn't understand the notion of that, well, not only that he was going to be getting a sibling, but that, you know, mummy was really sore or that mummy mm. had had an operation. So that was really hard. I think setting up those boundaries before you go into that experience is really mm. important. Obviously not with your toddler because they're really not <laughs> going to understand, but um, setting up those boundaries with your family and your partner. I don't think my husband would have really thought about it, to be honest, until I kind of said, Bill, I'm not going to be able to lift Bobby for two weeks at least. That's kind of pretty much what they're saying. So I'm going to need you or, and as I said, we were living with my parents. So we were very lucky when we had summer, we had a lot of extra hands around, but I really did not lift him at all for those first couple of weeks. And, you know, Billy knew when he, when he was home from work, that was kind of his job. He was in charge of Bobby. He was putting him to bed. He was, you know, putting him up on the bench for his lunch. He was, you know, really in charge of that. And, you know, if Bobby was, you know, at my feet, mummy, mummy, pick me up. It was really just, you know, getting down to his level and getting on the floor instead of kind of picking him up and, you know, reading a book that way or, you know, doing an activity that way as opposed to, you know, picking him up and carrying him around. But I also think that that help should also go to the women that have had the natural births as well, you know. Just because they've popped out a kid doesn't mean that they entirely can lift everyone and they can do this and do that and make dinners. It's it's so nice to have that support no matter what outcome your birth is going to be. You're going to have that support team that's going to take care of, you know, your, your other dependents and, and have someone in the kitchen or doing something so you can just recover. I read something the other day. I was glancing over that 40 days 
what's that book? That first forty days. First forty days book, and it's it was really incredible. the The page I opened up was saying, I think day sixteen is your new normal, and it talks about going into you know a different transition into motherhood. And then on the page beforehand, it was saying how important it was for you to literally be there with your child and let everyone around you do all the work because you have given birth and you have actually carried a baby for nine whole months. So, you know, you've got to not expect to be able to freaking do everything as soon as you pop a baby out. Yeah. And I think that's such a good point, regardless of how you've given birth, you Mm. setting up those expectations beforehand and those I suppose those needs and it's much easier to do the second time because you know what you're going to need and you know what what it, that experience is like and you know that you're going to need food and you're going to need help with your washing and you know all those simple things that you kind of go into first time motherhood not even thinking about those things but it's not until well, at least for myself you know having a second that I really had that conversation before it happened amazing so that I wouldn't be in the position where I would you know I felt bad or I was constantly asking everyone you know to do things for me it really just happened or I just think you're in a state where like like it's the same for me in first trimester pregnancy as I think for many people in those newborn days is that it's really difficult when everything else is going on to verbalize what it is that you need. And it's almost, you know, sure, towards the end of your pregnancy, you might be uncomfortable, but I feel like you're at least in a headspace where you can go totally like have those conversations. Mm. Whereas I feel like sometimes when it's after birth, there's just so much going on that even if someone says to you, like, what do you want for dinner? It's like, you're wanting me to like create world peace? Like, do you know what I mean? It's as though it's like the hardest question that's ever been framed to you. So I think that's a great idea is having those conversations beforehand so that you're not having to ask for those things. I visualise expectations as like little red balloons above my head and then I literally pinprick every single one of them to deflate (laughs) the expectation so I can feel a lot lighter. And I know it sounds silly but if you actually think about popping all those like expectations it feels so damn good to break it down mentally yeah and that's all it is isn't it it's just those expectations of anything of motherhood of you know having a cesarean of looking after your toddler while you've had a cesarean or had a vaginal birth it's all these things that we place upon ourselves that you kind of have to try and it's hard to it's easy to say and hard to do but try and wipe those away and just focus on the real necessities of that really early special time totally did you do anything to help with the healing of your scar I really didn't do anything major other than I mean rest is clearly the biggest and best thing that anyone can do post-birth regardless of whether they've had a cesarean. What about those bands? Do you recommend those bands? I didn't I didn't ever use you know the the tummy compression tights or I actually did buy them and I'm sure I'm not alone I bought them and remember I put them on and I literally couldn't even get them above my thighs they were so (laughs) tight and I was like I'm gonna have to bail on these like these are I've clearly put on way too much weight while I've been pregnant or I'm just not trying hard enough. But 
it was awful and I was like, nah, I'm just going to have to go it alone without these. And, look, I didn't use them. I've heard I've heard positive stories of people that have but similar stories of people that haven't and have had, you know, great recoveries as well. I have put, you know, the aloe vera oil on my scar once the this kind of sticky tape stuff comes off and that's just, you know, to reduce the redness and kind of heal the scar. But really that's that's the extent of it. And so like 10 months down the track, can you describe like what does your scar look like? Is it something that would be obvious to someone? No. I mean it's much lower I think than most women that don't know anything about cesareans would think it is. So really you're I never even notice it or think about it unless mm-hmm. I'm like standing in the mirror naked, like, you know, gazing at myself, which I really don't do. Which is four times a day, Ella, let's be honest. But it's below (laughs) your hip bones. It's in your, it's it's in your bikini line. It's in your fanny, yep. It's near your vagina bone. (laughs) Yes. Vagina. It's it's right. It's very low. Mm. So look, if you're wearing underwear or bikinis or whatever, you're not, you're not going to see it. It is, it starts off quite red and thick and, you know, a little bit of blood, you know, I remember having kind of blood on each side where, you know, the big kind of openings would be. But as it stands now, kind of 10 months in, there, it's just a white, like, line. Essentially, just a really thin, thin line that goes across. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And interestingly, I did not know this. Dr. Timmy told me this one, that they actually don't cut through the same scar. So, you know, the second or third times they cut above and below the old scar and essentially take out the old scar, which I found, like, incredible and was like, can you just, you know, give me a little bit of tummy tuck? But that didn't happen. (laughs) I think that's um, what nearly every woman says to him. He's like, while you're there, and he's like, "Mm, let's just let you recover from this surgery first. Um, (laughs) And that's not exactly my specialty. Yeah, yeah. But, look, in terms of scar and recovery, it's barely there. I don't think many people would notice it, you know. And, look, if you're wearing bathers, that skimpy, good on you. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say was the hardest thing about having a cesarean? I think the hardest thing for me personally was having a toddler and having had, you know, major surgery. I didn't, as I said before, I really didn't feel, you know, a sense of negativity or I didn't mourn the birth that I wanted. I, I didn't feel negative in that way. But I think that the hardest part was, you know, probably second time round having, you know, a little person very dependent on you and, you know, having had, major major surgery and being in a lot of pain those first few days was was probably the hardest part but Mm -hmm. it's so fleeting as well it goes Mm. so quickly and all of a sudden you're walking around again you're going for walks you're picking them up again and it's a very very short time in, in that process and what was the best part of a cesarean that's a really good question and the best part and I'll speak to my elective cesarean with that one was knowing the date, having it very planned. I had organised my parents, my mother-in-law, you know, he, she had Bobby one night, my parents had Bobby the other nights that we were in hospital. It was incredibly well planned out. I knew my due date literally from, you know, my first obstetrics appointment. I got my nails done a few days before. (laughs) It was just, it was very organized and it was planned. And if there are people out there that 
like that element in their life and it makes them feel, you know, in control, then that was definitely a positive (laughs) to that decision for sure. I felt that with my second induction as well because I was like, okay, I know that Poppy is being looked after. We're not calling anyone in the middle of the night. Yeah, I like that part of it too. Yeah, it just provides a little bit of comfort for an experience that's sometimes very out of your control, I suppose. And anyone who is having a cesarean or thinking about a cesarean, what is one piece of advice you would give them? Oh, my God, it's hard to give one, but... Oh, well, give <laughs> give 75 <laughs> if you like want. Being, being at the other side of two of those experiences, I think I can kind of look back on it really holistically and pragmatically and it's sometimes hard to do if it's just happened or it's a surprise or it's not the way you planned on it going. But I think, you know, birth is like that final like sacrosanct experience that we go through, you know, at the end of our pregnancy and it brings a baby into the world and throughout that pregnancy a mother is born and we all, and I've thought about this quite a lot, like we all make sacrifices during pregnancy and our birth But the biggest beauty in it all and every single time is that women are willing to make the sacrifices, whether it be through natural birth or whether it be through cesarean. And so my advice would be try not to focus on the way it happened but why and what was the end goal. And the end goal is obviously a healthy baby and a healthy mum. And that's really the the most important part. You know, that's why we give birth and that's why we, we are lucky to live, you know, in a country that we live in that has an amazing healthcare system. So that's really the, the biggest things that I've, you know, taken out of it for sure. What a beautiful ending to a positive episode. <laughs> no, that, that was, was very beautiful. well said. Oh, good. I love that. <laughs> Great. Thank you so much, Ella, for coming on today and sharing your story. I think you're going to be a breath of fresh air to a lot of other mothers-to-be and second and third-time mamas that have had this pondering in their heads. So we really appreciate you answering these questions. Oh, thank you. It was actually really fun. I was nervous, but it was lots and lots of fun. So thank you for having me on to talk about it. I hope it lands well, that's for sure. <laughs> and I do want to say so many people wrote in. It was it was almost similar to when we had the formula discussion that, you know, it's just not an area that's spoken about and, you know, feelings yeah. of failure and feelings of guilt and, you know, missing out on certain experiences. And I, and I want to say, like, I, I, I feel truly sorry, like, that people feel that way and haven't felt like they have had a space that they've been able to go to to hear like-minded stories or, yeah, they don't feel like their birth has been represented. So um, we hope that this helps. Yeah. I hope it does too. And I think, and I, you know, was thinking about this, obviously going into this conversation, but even for mothers that, you know, as they're putting themselves on the operating table, it's, you are in the throes of impending motherhood and birth. And there's so nothing to be ashamed of about that. It's so the same experience in a lot of ways as the mothers that give birth vaginally. And so, I hope, yeah, I hope people kind of take that message out of out of the podcast and that it lands well. So 
Thank you, guys. It was fun. Thank you, darling. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Beyond the Bump. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe and give us a review. If you didn't, good on you. You can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthebump.podcast to stay up to date on behind the scenes and future episodes. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.